0: You're listening to The Standard Podcast. Eye-opening for your ears.
1: sous This is We Need to Talk Podcast. Podcast talk show of Hi, you guys. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We Need to Talk Bo is three are โบว่าเรื่องแรกที่ 1 ปีนี่คือเรื่อง 2 โบอยากชวนฟ้าใสคุยเรื่องชีวิตของเด็กไทยในใครใครอยากได้แรงบันดาลใจ How to ต่างๆในการดูแลสุขภาพ Ladies and gentlemen it would be my pleasure to introduce our guest for this episode of We need to talk podcast we may know him as a fitness guru But there are many other sides of him that we haven't seen yet. And trust me, you'll be surprised throughout this episode. Let's meet him now. (laughs) Coach Fasai Peng Udom Ka. Hello, Fasai. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Before we get started, let's state the obvious. Fasai is a very unique name.
0: Yeah, uh... It's a very unique name and it's a very feminine name.
1: yes, because you're you're the second fasai we have on the show. she's um she's Miss Earth Thailand. Wow yeah she's uh, she's also Fasai. so you're the second fasai here so expl- can you explain why this name or is that your real name?
0: Yes, it's actually my real name on my ID card mm-hmm. so um, oh, it's
1: your first name my
0: first name. so when people ask me if I have uh, a nickname, I uh-huh. say no.
2: Ah. Just call me
0: the full name, Fa Sai. Yeah, it's actually a very long story. But, uh, before I was born, mm-hmm. my parents wanted a girl,
2: mm-hmm. so
0: they named the baby. Yeah, you know, like beforehand. So they bought the dress and everything. Aww. But when I was when I was born, I was like, okay, I turned out to be a boy. Yeah, might as well just keep the name. Yeah, for the boy, Fa Sai. They had to buy the new set of clothes. But uh, anyways, it used to be a struggle when I was a kid because mm-hmm. everyone was making fun of me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a girl. But so it's actually, there's, there's a point in my life that I changed my name. Aww. I had my own nickname because I was ashamed of being, you know, having a girly name. Yeah. Yeah. So my nickname was Thae for some reason because I saw... A, a badge on my dad's uh, belt, mm-hmm. Thay Win, right? Uh-huh. Thay, long Tao or belt, Taywin. Win. So I was like, oh, okay, just pick that name.
1: So you ended up being Te
0: For a year or two, when Th- I was like 10, 12.
1: And then when did you realize, hey, I like my name, I like Fa Sai, and then switched back?
0: Uh, probably when I started college, mm. you know, because I realized, hey, I'm the, actually the, the probably the only Fa Sai guy. Yep. In Thailand. Exactly. There's actually uh, a, there's a doctor in Chiang Rai right. came and asked my dad and mom, hey, can we can we name our resort after your boy?
2: Aww. They said,
0: sure. So there's Mon Sai in Chiang Rai and there's Sai Mugatha in Chiang Rai as well.
1: And they're both named after you. Um
0: Fasai no. But <laughs> so I can trick people. Hey, you know, I actually own half of Shinrai's business because it's Fasai Mugatha and Mon Fasai. Hey, you gotta yeah. embrace
1: your name. I mean, obviously growing up it, it's it could be hard because kids bully. Yes. But as you get older you learn to embrace your uniqueness and your quirkiness. That's yes. what I always say. And and I'm glad you finally realized, hey, my name is cool.
0: Yeah, it is cool. I yeah. mean, for now, right? Uh, I can go to a hospital and say, oh, <laughs>
1: and this, like, big, muscular guy yeah. got up, and then people, the nurse was probably look, probably she, looking around she like, where? Looked, she, she, where?
0: She tried to look around my leg <laughs> because she thought I would bring a daughter or something. It's like, oh, it's me. <laughs> That's my name. Can I see your card, please? Oh, yeah, here. <laughs>
1: So you always get that shock factor.
0: Did you change your name? No. Did your parents name you after Undone? First, I know because I'm 31. Yeah. So So obviously that was before. Before, yeah.
1: Uh, That's funny. So first thing we need to talk about is your first year experience working on the cruise ship.
0: Yeah. So I finished high school. Uh, Actually, I was homeschooled. So high school meaning that it was a small homeschooling group mm-hmm. with some American missionary kids mm. who could not enter high school. So we had little, you know, like it's called FLC Family Learning Center mm-hmm. in Chiang Rai. Uh, I got about fifteen classmates. Mm-hmm. That was all. Cool. Right, that was homeschool, but yeah. oh, that was high school. So I finished that with uh, a random, deg- uh, random certification. Not even a Thai Mohok. So I went to study uh, at SAE Thailand, sound, audio engineering school or something like that. Ah. Yeah. So I got my di- diploma in audio engineering and I started my first business in Thailand called FitTaste. So, which was? Which was basically catering for bodybuilders. Oh! I was 19 back then.
1: So you started that before? Yeah,
0: before. I was probably one of the first Ahan uh, clean. Yeah, business owners. That uh, was
1: before it got cool. Yeah,
0: before <laughs> it got cool, I got eight clients, each paid me five hundred baht per day mm-hmm. for like uh, a kilogram of chicken. Basically, I would cook different types of chicken, like chicken breast, uh, with uh, Cajun spice, yeah, and deliver it at their houses, uh, at their office. Yeah, that was my first business. Mm-hmm. But after a while, I basically got kind of oh, I was just only nineteen. Mm-hmm. Didn't, I- didn't even go to university or college. Mm-hmm. So my mom said, hey, why do you want to do this? You don't want to go out and see the world? Mm-hmm. So I made a fake CV. Fake resume. What?
1: Yeah. Like, how, what do you mean fake? Did you fake. make up
0: yes, stuff I on made it? Up, I made up about 90% of everything like on what? my CV. Well, like, wait, 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 what were your specialties? In order, t- in order to go and work on a cruise ship line, right? Mm-hmm. You needed uh, two years experience in F&B, mm-hmm. food and beverage. Preferably in any hotel or a big name hotel. Yeah. Come on, I was 19. Yeah. So back then, uh, it's like a cash 22 you know. cash 22 is when basically a new graduate kid wanted a job that requires experience. Mm -hmm. So what to do? So I had to write my own resume. Right. Uh, My resume said that I knew everything about food and beverage (laughs) because I did know a lot about food. Because you
1: had a catering business.
0: Yes. but the only thing that was lacking was my work experience, my in proper service, work experience. Right? So I asked my cousin, uh, she owned a resort back then to be my reference. Mm-hmm. And I got an interview. So I went to the interview and the guy was Portuguese and mm-hmm. he asked me everything about contin- the difference between continental breakfast and American breakfast, escargot, mm-hmm. cargo, which menu is served when. Yeah. I answered all of that in English. Uh, but when it came to my salary, how much did you earn working at that hotel? I was like, oh, 20,000 baht? Mm-hmm. That was a bit too much for your age. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so he knew, he found out that my, uh, my work experience was fake.
1: Uh, oh, from, from
2: ah, yeah, from, yeah, yeah. From, from
0: my wages. From, from, from my salary, wages. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he said, um, Yeah, but you seem to know what you're talking about. So how about come on board and work as ABFS, Assistant Buffet Steward?
1: What's that position? A slave. Oh, my God! yeah,
0: so basically it was the <laughs> lowest possible rank on the on the ship, and in f and b department, I was the youngest person. I was like, yeah, uh, nineteen, going twenty. Mm-hmm. Usually, people who work on a cruise ship, you know in that kind of uh department would be twenty seven or thirty at least mm-hmm. because th- it requires years of experience mm-hmm. in 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 hotels or in service service industry, yeah, uh so I went there. In Thailand, you would say
2: <laughs>
0: My dad didn't want me to go I was like, well, who cares My life, so I'm going What a rebel uh, I was raised this way so That's good though I, I would say so because If I didn't go, right mm-hmm. I don't know who I would be today mm-hmm. I went there not knowing What the job description was
2: mm-hmm.
0: I just wanted to, uh, wanted to Get out of Thailand so yeah. bad I was almost 20, right Okay, just go. So, got on the flight, uh, United Airlines, Texas,
2: mm-hmm.
0: then to Florida, mm-hmm. Lauderdale, and my first day on the sh- on the ship was a shock. Why? You know, I thought the job would be more glamorous. Glamorous, it was not. <laughs> Basically, uh, it was a slave job cleaning the mess room. mess room is basically the canteen for staffs. Uh-huh. So there's no chance to interact with, uh, Any with passengers. Any passengers. Yeah, and the ship I went was called uh, Grand Princess.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it holds about 3,900 people, 1,300 of which were crew. Mm-hmm. 50 Thais, all of them 30, 40 years old. So yeah. they didn't care about this kid. So I went there on my first week, scrubbing the floor, you know, sweeping the uh, the floor and everything, uh, arranging dishes, mm-hmm. peeling stickers from apples.
2: Aww. That was my first week job,
0: but I did not mind because life is tough. Yep. So I did my best to remember people's name and say hi to everyone because that was the first thing they said to do. Mm-hmm. And if I can reflect on that today, it's good when you go into a kind of work uh, environment. And you you don't know what to expect. So mm-hmm. you just follow what they, t- they told you to do. They told you to be nice, uh, to be attentive. Mm-hmm. And basically, when people ask you, how are you? You can't say, I'm good. You have to say, I'm excellent.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: have to keep that kind of uh, attitude. And you need to, what's the word? You need to know what other people want. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who were on a ship. They were jaded already. They were too old. They were like, oh... I've had enough of this life, I would not try so hard. But I was young. So I tried really hard to follow the rules and uh, instructions of the company. Mm-hmm. And I won my first, uh, on my first month, I won the, what is it? Employee Employees of the amount. month. Yeah, I got oh, $500. Nice. yeah, Just from sweeping the floor and remembering people's name. I won that award. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people hated me for that. <laughs> that taught me a lesson, you know. It taught me a lesson of not being jaded with life. Yeah. You can see the flaw in when people turn 25, 30, 40, and they sort of give up on trying hard already. Mm-hmm. That taught. I'm lucky to have learned that very young. Mm-hmm. I was 19, and I learned that the hard way. But it was rewarding because about a week or two after I won that award, mm-hmm. I got a chance to go and uh, be a trainee in a bar. Crew bar, not a real bar, but well, at least it's mm-hmm. a crew bar.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, Crew bar, because I could speak English, better than some of my uh, colleagues. But the problem was that I didn't drink. Mm. Alcohol was not in my lifestyle. Yeah. So I had to learn all the names of liquors. And for a non-drinker, I think I did well enough to secure a spot at a bar. Yeah. Eventually I got promoted to uh, an officer's bar. Officers and crew are different. There's a hierarchy going thing going on, right? Mm-hmm. Crews are mainly people who work on the service industry or like hotel industry. Yeah. Officers are basically people who ride the ship, you know, like engineers and yeah. stuff, and or uh, entertainers. Mm-hmm. So I got moved to that bar, and mm-hmm. eventually I took care of that bar by myself. So I had to do everything from stocking, stock taking, uh, stock acquisition. So basically, have to write an order of what alcohol you need mm-hmm. to fill that day's uh you know the stock have to clean the bar have to serve the customers from uh 5 p.m to about 1. have to wake up to do the morning shift at the crew mess was not bad for a 19 years old yeah so i pushed really hard yeah i you could say i did not play any politics but i did my best to not Hide my potentials. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of people who hated me because you know, I did not try to hide my potential. I was like, I can do this better than you. I'm not afraid to say it. So there was a time when uh, that's not a candidate mm-hmm. to go and work on the same bar.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, life is tough, right? That's, that has always been my uh, model, my personal model. Uh, there's a lot of people on this, in this world, mm-hmm. and there's a certain amount of spot for you to stand on. If you don't fight for it, it's too bad. It's your fault. So I had that kind of mentality growing up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Even back then, my, my one year on a cruise ship taught me a lot. It taught me how to fight with people mm-hmm. physically and verbally and actually playing mentally? the politics mentally. Yeah. So you can be assertive. Yeah. Yeah. I came back to Thailand when I was 21. Mm-hmm. I was a different person, more assertive very very assertive i get what i want all the time
2: Mm.
0: by all means necessary and that has always been one thing that i when i look back you know to to my Mm twenties, i really thank that experience i was 21 i have been to 50 cities Mm -hmm. 25 countries six continents Mm -hmm. and i thought that i was like who could beat me yeah but i was wrong Mm -hmm. you know because when when you realize that uh that was just a part of your life that is not everything. It, did, it does not dictate your future. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more going on than just have been there, have done that. But it's always about the attitude that you carry throughout your life. So after that, after my life on cruise ship was over, uh, I applied for a scholarship to New Zealand. <laughs>
1: What made you decide that, okay, of all the places in the world, why New Zealand? Randomness. Really? Yeah. Did you do a coin toss on a map? Like, oh, let's see where that lands. Well,
0: uh, (laughs) being 21, right, and not having a degree, I was actually just... My official degree, mm-hmm. official certification was Mossy, from God's on All. Mm. Being homeschooled all my life, yeah. I have never experienced a type of educational system, mm-hmm. a proper one. So I thought that was some kind of a challenge, because all my friends were an, an, in their third years in uh, in thai, thai uni. Yeah. So I thought, hey, maybe I'll just give it a shot so I can be, you know, so I can... Fulfill my expectation from my grandmoms. At least she, my my grandmom and my uh, a lot of my relatives, yeah, they were against the idea of being homeschooled. You know, they 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 thought that I would have no friends, mm-hmm. especially they cannot go and boast to their friends about, oh, my grandson is at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my grandson is homeschooled. Aww. So that was has always been a bomboy.
1: But in your me. opinion. What, how do you feel about homeschooling?
0: I feel excellent because if I had a kid, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm not planning to, <laughs> I would homeschool my 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 child. It Why? was the best choice because I don't think being restricted by the educational system mm-hmm. is suitable for the world need today. Mm. You know, I was equipped with all the equipment needed, customized to fight whatever uh, hardship. Or whatever co- competitors today are basically trying to trying to get me mm-hmm. because I, I did not waste my time learning things that you one day would forget. I was irrelevant s- things. Irrelevant things. <laughs> I was specialized. Uh, I was forced to learn violin when I was seven. English when I was about ten something. I was well. I was encouraged to do, uh, to have a hobby when I was about eight. And that was all. Mm-hmm. All I did during my homeschooling days were uh, play games, card games, computer games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my mom would say, hey, at least if you're going to spend a lot of time playing games, why don't you write something, uh, sum- summarize the game for me? Mm-hmm. So there was a game called uh, Command & Conquer. Mm-hmm. CNC, right? That was not my first game, but that was <laughs> I see you guys know this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a game, a game called Dune. D-U-N-E, Dune, Doom, Command & Conquer, Warcraft, StarCraft. Most of them, you learn something about the games. Uh, Wolfenstein. I learned about Hitler and Nazis from Wolfenstein. I learned about Mars and science from Doom. Mm. I, learned, I learned about uh, spice trading from Dune. I learned about medieval time and different races of the fantasy world from yeah. Warcraft. I learned about uh, Cold War from C&C.
2: Ah.
0: And that's this game called Age of Empire. Mm-hmm. I learned about the Egyptian Empire, the Bronze Age, the Iron Age, uh, how the geography of the, the Europe Mediterranean mm-hmm. did not read a single book. Really? Yeah, from You games, learned
1: all of those from, from the games.
0: games. And from, from you know, like uh, searching online yeah. and writing essays for my mom. Mom... Today, I played this game, Command and Conquer. You know what command means? Command means you control your army. Conquer means when you win. And my mom would buy me books, uh, comic books, called Sun Wu, mm. The Art of War. I was ah. very, I read that. That was actually a trigger that uh, made my mom put me out of school. Because I, I actually was in Thai school until Posse. Yeah. I loved this book, Sun Wu, mm-hmm. Art of wow, War. Wow, you
1: read that in Posse. Yes. Wow. It, it, not, not in
0: comic Co- oh, uh, comic version. version yeah, mm-hmm. but it was very detailed. Yeah. Right. I brought that book to school. I remember uh, that, and my teacher asked me, "What is that?" The teacher took that book from me. Mm-hmm. So I had nothing to say. Uh, my my mom went to the school and said, "Hey, you know, my son is learning more than he's learning from you <laughs> from that book." Yeah. There there were many events in school in Thai school mm-hmm. that uh, my mom th- eventually decided it's not for me. I was selling stickers because I played CNC right CNC you have uh, like battleships and like planes so mm. I would look up pictures of you know like ships or battleships or airplanes and print them out and put clear sticker on it mm. and cut them in shapes and I would sell that at school.
1: <laughs> nice. And did you, you get in know, trouble? Uh, yes with I your got teachers? in trouble. Mm-hmm.
0: My mom encouraged me to sell things, but school did not. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think that was when uh, she decided, hey, this is so Laisala. Mm-hmm. Why are you wasting time learning things you're not going to use in your life? When, yeah. when my son can actually come out of school, learn more, you know, and, and about economics. I learned the 4P when I was about 10 years old. What? Yeah, because my mom said, hey, I'm going to take you to macro. Yeah. You're going to buy this heartbeat and horn.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're going you're gonna to think about where to sell them. So I had this money from doing chores around the house. I would collect money from, from that and uh, go buy Horn and Heartbeat or Khanom at Macro. Mm-hmm. And I would sell them. If one pack has ten, uh, you know, 20, 20 Heartbeats, yeah. 20, 20 candy, candy pieces, how many packs would you sell? And back then it was like uh, two, two or three for one baht.
2: Yeah. You
0: would get about five baht profit for one pack. Mm-hmm. So my mom said, okay, here's a four-piece. You know you have to think about the price uh the place, the price, the product, the promotion mm-hmm. so I thought about all that when I was a kid did not even think it was a, it was something to learn mm-hmm. it was something just to basically earn me money yeah so i I grew up in that kind of setting where uh trading or uh making money was a part of life because back then my mom had- stru- uh struggle with the Tom Yang Kung crisis mm-hmm. so we grew i i grew up seeing my mom on her peak you know like she was making money and then suddenly we were poor
2: mm-hmm.
0: and luckily i was old enough to realize with, uh, what Tom Yanggung, what the Kung, it what? the crisis was mm-hmm. yeah during the c right the flood you know uh, and the and the crisis the so mm-hmm. i learned i learned a- about that and i grew up knowing that if you don't prepare yourself in life you're going to hurt get hurt really bad that's why this kind of assertive, mm-hmm. tenacious attitude sticks. Yeah. Until today.
1: Okay. Yeah. And then, now back to New Zealand. Yeah. So, you said it's because, you know, you wanted a formal education.
2: Yeah.
0: So it was like rolling a dice. Yeah. Googling, Googling uh, scholarships.
1: Yeah. What were some of your choices?
0: Uh, England. Mm-hmm. I did not have a preference. I was basically okay anywhere but Thailand. I'm not gonna <laughs> stay here because, well, the limitation of my woodkansuksa. I was only gra- I graduated from Morsee from Gosanor mm-hmm. officially, so I could not enter Thai uni anyway. Right. And uh, well, my I did not want to stay here. So eventually, I stumbled upon this place called International Pacific College in New Zealand, mm-hmm. in a city called Palmer Palmerston North. It was, it was a very, very, very small city with nothing to do. Mm. And I thought, mm, okay, give it a go. Uh, I told my mom, hey, mom, this is the scholarship. I want to go there. Mm-hmm. Mom said, oh, okay, you, yeah, just go. I'll give you Song Sen Baat as a starting, you know, like at least to buy a ticket and stuff. Yeah. But after that, you take care of yourself. So I had to find a job, you know, the first week yeah. uh, I got there, printed my resume, Oh yeah, I used to work on this cruise ship. I'm going to land a job right away.
1: Yeah. And this time is your real resume, my right? My real
0: resume, <laughs> yeah. I I uh had this fit taste catering in my pocket. I mm-hmm. had this cruise ship thing in my pocket. Yeah. Turned out for 21 years old, I was overqualified. Nobody believed that I'd done all that.
1: Ah.
0: But luckily I landed a job right away uh in this Japanese restaurant uh called Hanamizuki. Mhm. And that's one of the reasons why uh at IPC 60% of students were Japanese Mm. so I so I chose my master's and my minor Uh, I did IR international relations and Japanese
1: so do you so you speak Japanese too
0: a bit today yeah I can speak enough to basically hang out with girls in college and like (laughs) I can go to Japan without (laughs) a guide yeah yeah so yeah having studied uh international relations and having read a lot of Satirical books, because mm-hmm. my, my sense of humor is very British. Uh, I read all British books. We have, uh, well, we had a very racist friend group ah. consisting of all colors and all background, health uh, racial backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But we, we were uh, we were very satire satirical. So we made fun of our own races and we made fun of other people's races. Mm-hmm. We made fun of other people's beliefs as well because we were IR students because we understand that in order to, for us to understand ourselves better mm-hmm. or in order for us to actually have a wider view of world, mm-hmm. we have to be able to surpass that, uh, the sense of nationalism, yeah. the sense of having to defend your own core belief because if you want to be open, you mm-hmm. have to be able to be neutral. So we tried that by making fun of ourselves, our, yeah. our own race, yeah. making fun of our own political system. Yeah. That was a good thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That that, uh, that was a very valuable experience in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, At least I uh, was exposed to globalization mm-hmm. in another degree.
1: You've probably gained a lot from it.
0: Yeah, I did gain a lot from it. I actually yeah. gained my future at... Uh, well, I was a scholarship student. Mm-hmm. What I gained from, from my time in, in college, right, was not the knowledge, was basically uh, the skills to survive because I had to work since almost day one. You remember when I told you about the hobby, you know, painting stuff yes. and uh, toys and motor airplanes? Mm-hmm. I did that since I was eight. So I started really young and that has always been my passion, like airplanes and uh, ships. You know, because playing computer games as well, you always want to collect some kind of soldier toy soldiers. Mm-hmm. So I painted those when I was a kid. So I taught my friends how to play these games, and I taught my friends how to paint the models. Yeah. And I got an idea. Hey, why not film myself doing it and post on YouTube?
1: You had a YouTube channel for making models. Yeah,
0: I did. Uh, I started that when my... Oh, it was in my first year, I think, the end of my first year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saved a bit of money from working at Hanamizuki, the mm-hmm. Japanese restaurant. And um, I think back then I was like, okay, I could earn the minimum wage, paying tax uh, $13, $13, 300 baht yeah. per hour. Uh, it was not bad. It was yeah. actually quite good. But my skills f- in painting, I could earn a bit, a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. More than $50 per hour. So I thought, oh well, but nobody knew I could do it. Yeah. Why not film myself teaching people how to do new techniques on YouTube? So I did. I did a crappy video. I bought a, was it a, a, webcam? a webcam? Yeah, creative webcam. Lo- no, sorry, Logitech.
1: Yeah, I used yeah, to use Logitech, those yeah. back in the days. Yeah, yep. back in
0: the days, Logitech webcam tied to my to my forehead, and <laughs> film.
1: Two kids nowadays. That's pre-gopro yeah okay?
0: pre-gopro this is
1: like a diy yeah. GoPro. pro
0: there was a uh, 410p so <laughs> low quality but yeah that w- you gotta start somewhere so you right? tape
1: this to your forehead it's, yeah. like, it's diy right i actually right? bought
0: a scuba diving the uh, forehead strap thing and i <laughs> modified that myself and i realized it was too shaky because i would have to turn my head yeah um Luckily, I had this Canon G8 back then. Uh, G8 was a compact camera, so I shot that the d- d- tutorial on my forehead, mm-hmm. and the finished product with my, you know, like, uh, co- pro. It's called pro- prosumer, the mm-hmm. prosumer cam, uh, and uploaded it on YouTube. Got about three thousand subscribers.
1: Wow, that's pretty
2: good.
0: Yeah, but th- that took. I t- mean, for that took a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, my first job offer was when I started selling my then the models on local local website called uh, trademe.co.nz. Mm-hmm.
2: It's
0: an equivalent of pamoon.com or eBay, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I sold my first miniature for $50.
1: Wow. And then how, yeah. how much time did you put into that? But
0: I took five hours to do it. So I could earn $10 an hour in my dorm room. So I started working on, you know, like my YouTube channel Yeah. with... Ten, you know, like uh, ten subscribers from the beginning. Aww. I posted my videos on websites, and uh, my ranking at that time, out of about ten thousand painters in mm-hmm. the world, I was about uh, three hundred. Wow! So I could, I, I climbed from from the bottom to uh, three hundred, and oh, you have like, okay. uh, you have to upload your photos, uh, the photos of your work, on on this website called Cool Mini or not?
2: Uh-huh.
0: They rank people from the votes. Yeah. And the higher ranking you are, the more clients you'll get. You, yeah, you'll get. They will sort after you and you can charge more. Ah. So that was what I did for the rest of my education years in, in, in college.
1: How much were you charging?
0: Well I actually reached one point when I could charge more than ten thousand baht for one model. Wow. That could be finished in one night.
1: Dang. But, the, but the whole
0: night though. Yeah. It took the whole night to, to create one and the next day I would be exhausted. <laughs> a
1: lot of manpower. Yeah, a lot of manpower. <laughs>
0: mental mental focus. And my nostril, yeah. if, we took, if you uh, wipe my nostril with uh, cotton bud, yeah. came out as you know, green or red because I would have to eat all the paint. Yeah.
2: Whoa. That
0: was my second year in college. So that's why I did. I did enough to pass all the classes. Actually, I have to tell you, on my first year of college, yeah. I did exactly the same as what I did on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. I tried really hard. I was the stereotypical try-hard Asian type. Yeah. So I got A's on all my classes, and I got an award, top of the classes, for eight out of eight classes that I attended. Wow. And that was I actually thought, hey, I'm, I'm probably going to uh, be aiming for honor.
1: Honor. When you graduate. I, uh,
0: graduate. But then I got this job. I threw that away. I was like, <laughs> you know, well, who cares about honor when you can make make money?
1: So you just sort of stopped focusing in your classes.
0: Yeah, I uh, focus on your well, new I, job. I focused on on my classes enough to pass and to maintain my scholarship mm-hmm. and to be the what is it like golden boy of my my professors?
1: Yeah. If you could summarize your life in New Zealand as a movie, yeah, what would be the climax? And which event that occurred in New Zealand yep. had changed your life forever?
0: Well, uh, it's very hard because it would need a sequel. That's for ah. sure, right? But well, it taught me a lot about uh, relationship. You know, uh, I grew up with missionary friends. Yeah, they come and go all the time, right? I grew up as a realist. You know that people don't last you know that any relationship will go away. Mm-hmm. It's just the way of life. Caitlin was my girlfriend back then. Mm-hmm. I was actually planning to marry her mm-hmm. and stayed in New Zealand. But for some reason, that uh, my future uh, career opportunity was better if I were to move to Thailand. Mm-hmm. I did not marry Caitlin. I did not stay there. So would you say I uh, regret my decision? No, because I actually am married now. My wife, Kat, (laughs) coincidentally, (laughs) (laughs) she knew knew I had this girlfriend in New Zealand. But that was a very big part of my life. Mm -hmm. In a movie that has something about life, you need something, you need some happiness, a mix in between, you need some kind of drama and you need some sadness. And that was it.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, it was a movie about a person in their 25. I was 25 years old. Mm -hmm. I had to say goodbye. to to this girl who basically we had to be worlds apart Mm -hmm. and it taught me one big important lesson not to take people next people near you for granted Mm -hmm. right and uh, that's a big big takeaway from that from, from that movie from my time in New Zealand
1: last but not least we need to talk about your fitness business let's go back to the beginning I've heard that the reason that you decided to bulk up is because you were teased a lot as a kid.
0: Well, um, because I was homeschooled, mm-hmm. I did not have friends at the same age group. Yeah. So when I entered uh, high school age, I was bullied basically because I didn't know how to basically fit in with you know the teenage clique yeah. or teenage social life.
1: What form of bullying were well, they doing to you?
0: I was verbally bullied, mostly, but physically pushed around a bit. Since I was seven, I, you know, played violin, I read a lot of books, so I didn't get to play sport at all, so I was a very skinny teenager. Basically, I weighed 60 kilo, but I had tummy. Mm-hmm. I had, like, uh, some, some like- skinny fat. Yeah. Yeah, a very nerdy, skinny fat boy who did not know how to present himself in social groups. mm mm-hmm. So not a surprise that people would tease me for carrying a violin around or not knowing how to interact or I did not even know uh, soccer or any like popular sports yeah like, uh, I did not know what people my age should be interested in because I was so consumed in my hobbies yeah I was so obsessed with reading with uh, music with arts and language yeah I did not know about you know what other people were doing so <laughs> At the time that I hit puberty, Mm -hmm. uh, it was a mess. Pretty much I was rejected uh, from not friends, but from people in in my social group that Mm -hmm. was the same age. So that was one of the downfalls of uh, homeschooling. I had to overcome that somehow. So I started judo as my first sport in life at 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah, I was tossed around uh, during the warm-up the warm-up session, I actually almost fainted because I was physically unfit. Mm -hmm. So unfit that uh, I could not even complete the whole session. Mm. So I thought I did judo for a few months and I tried to, you know, like throw some of the guys who used to bully me. It did not work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of funny because, you know, it was like a nerdy kid who just learned new moves. Yeah. Did not work. Uh So I thought, hey, um, what was wrong? So uh that's that's when I started lifting weight because mm-hmm. I read somewhere that uh you need to have strength as well. Mm-hmm. But even before then, uh my best friend, he used to be a top one of the top athletes for the school.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh for basketball. We mm-hmm. were in different schools back then. Uh he played basketball and then he asked me, Hey, uh you wanna come to do judo? And I said, Yeah, okay. And he knew that I was failing. So mm-hmm. he asked me, hey, you can come and job with me in the morning and we can go to the gym together. Mm-hmm. So we did. We were like buddies because he would teach me. Uh, to, you know, he, he said, do not have excuse. If you want to do this, you either do it or you don't. Mm-hmm. If you say I'm too tired, too busy, you're one of those weaklings who would you we'd know, be bullied forever. And I said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to give you any excuse. If I go, I'll go. If I'm not going to go, I'll just tell you straight.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was the start. That was the beginning of my physical transformation uh, and everything. Mm-hmm. There's also another incident when I was rejected. Uh, I was heartbroken. Mm. So the motivation to basically be a new person uh, was, well, being bullied and then being rejected. Right. Every time I get hurt, I would just work out harder. I would just... You know like get physically tired, get very strict with my diet and I would transform mm-hmm. and back then I did not have any other obligations except you know just uh, I did part-time job after that just go to the gym work out yeah eat sleep, study about uh, study about nutrition study about um, lifting that's why I that's why when I turned nineteen I started fit taste mm-hmm. because I knew what I was eating and uh, uh... I brought I brought my food to school. Uh, to school after graduation, yeah, because I was teaching at a school. At my at my school, I was I was tutoring, and some of the friends who were at the same age, they were like, "Hey, what are you, are you eating? I'm having this huge sandwich, maybe about eight inches high." What? Yeah, with a how lot do you even of, fit
2: that in your mouth?
0: No, no, no. You just separate them and eat them oh, bite by bite. Okay. But uh, because. Canteen, canteen food was so low in nutrients mm-hmm. and was not up to the standard of, you know, what your body needs. Yeah. So I said, hey, you want to try this? And my friends tried it and he said, you want to, can you make one for me? The next day I went to macro again. Going back to when I was, you know, like six, seven years old. Yeah. We went to macro to buy candies. Now I went to macro to buy beef, roast beef, making ho- homemade roast beef. Mm-hmm calculating the price okay you you need a profit margin of at least 50% Mm -hmm. the rest profit so I made supreme beef sandwich I would go to Subway and photograph their you know like uh, their stuff okay you need olives you need like uh, tomatoes tomatoes. (laughs) I went to McDonald's uh, whenever I come to Bangkok Yeah. okay McDonald's they chop the onions so finely so it's like so it doesn't get everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mix the ma- uh, mix light low-fat mayo with chopped onion, and make that into a paste. It shortened your preparation time. Everything was so well calculated. Yeah. And I took that to school, even though I was not a student anymore. And suddenly, all the boys loved it. All the American boys were sick of low-protein Thai food. Yeah. It's like what is this? CEO, fat thai, whatever, there's not enough protein. All carbs. All carbs. I want to get big, man. I want to play football. Yeah. So I said, yeah, that's 140 baht. They said, it's nothing. It's so cheap. So that's the beginning of my first ever proper business. Yeah. So every day after I, te- uh, I finished teaching, I would just pop by at Macro. Mm-hmm. It's very close together. Would we'll try to think about new recipes. So every time I bring something new, my friends would try it right away and they say, oh, I don't think this works. You, you get direct feedback from your clients. Yeah. After a while, I decided, hey, I'm done with Chiang Rai. I'm going to move to Bangkok. So I said bye to my friends. And by that time, I was banned from selling sandwich at school. <laughs> because of the canteen staff to upset nobody was eating. Uh, well, at least the boys. Yeah. The boys who go to the gym would not eat the, the food. They said, oh, it's a, there's a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, okay, who cares? I'm yeah. moving to Bangkok. So I rented a small office, basically started the, the business myself. Yeah. And I would go to the gym, California a while back then, mm-hmm. and I would approach bodybuilders. People who are huge mm-hmm. and they eat a lot of food and ask them, "Hey, uh, can I train with you?" They said, "Oh yeah, sure. Come on, train with us." And I would learn how to train from from them, and ah. then they would tell me what they eat. I would tell them, "Hey, uh, you know the food you eat doesn't look that great." They said, "Yeah, but I don't have time to prepare." So I was like, "Well,
1: I, I can could help with, you. Yeah, <laughs> I can
0: help you with that."
1: Allow me. Allow me. So my first
0: client was uh, one of the top like bodybuilders right. I didn't I didn't charge him anything I just said like hey if you can train me I'll, I'll cook for you and e- eventually he recommended his friends mm-hmm. for me and uh, I started my own small delivery business mm-hmm. so I had to contact the messengers yeah. had to uh, prepare the food at night so we can deliver in the morning and after delivery at around 6 my uh, the motorbikes are gone I would take a uh, bus to Pom Pong, Pong hmm To sell sandwiches.
1: Oh, so you made extra to sell on the
0: side. Yeah, so bodybuilders don't eat sandwiches. So they eat like a proper, like a lot of baked chicken. Lean, lean, yeah, yeah. very lean. But then uh, I went to do some location scouting Mm -hmm. at uh, around Pong Pong Soy, Vit 33, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
0: Around uh, Villa, around Ah. around Villa right now. And there's a little corner, so I asked, people who are selling a like lottery there uh, can I come and sell sandwich? they said yeah sure if you don't have the the card, you don't need permission from uh, the city like yeah the city so I did so I got my own basket like very big basket a like huge basket mm-hmm. full of sandwich. The first day I did not sell anything because I was so ashamed of selling mm-hmm. but I learned over time that if, uh, in Thai you say bag nah right. If you don't back na and ask people to sell stuff, you're not going to sell anything. So Mm -hmm. I I started talking more. Uh, Hey, you want to try this? It's low carbs. I made this myself. Blah. blah. Eventually, uh, I went to the point where I sold everything out in one day. So I would deliver in the morning and sell sandwich until around Mm 9 and go home and sleep.
1: And this was all prior t- to you going to New Zealand?
0: Yeah, prior to me. That was when I was 18, 19. So uh, before I even got my diploma, before, I before even. The got the cruise? Yeah, the cruise ship. Yeah, so it yeah.
1: started very early. Yeah. And then you sort of pushed it aside when you yeah. went on a cruise, right? Yeah,
0: because uh, my mom told me, I really respect my mom, and she, she said, What's the point of being. An entrepreneur now, when you're 18, 19, and okay, you can make. I could make 50,000 baht. That was quite a lot for an, a uh, a 19 years old. Yeah. But what's the point? If you're gonna stuck, get stuck here. You don't even know how to expand. And she was right. I don't even know how the what is it employment structure works. Mm-hmm. So she told me, if you keep doing this, okay, one day you'll be you save a lot of money for sure by your by by your 20. But you would stay the same because you have the same knowledge. You only know what you know from doing. Right. She said, "Why not just go on an adventure?" Mm -hmm. And and she did not give me any idea. So uh, so yeah. So I had to find out about cruise ship and I went there. But coming back to Fit Junctions. Yeah. How uh, how
1: did how did you come back and revisit this idea of the whole fitness? aspect?
0: back then uh, when, it, when it started right sixteen almost seventeen years ago mm-hmm. it was a very very small let's say nobody was nobody was interested in it mm-hmm. only pro- professional athletes and that's it yeah or freaks mm-hmm. you'd be viewed as freaks, so I realized this is not the way I want to go mm-hmm. uh, fitness is probably never going to flourish in Thailand. Yeah. I was wrong. So when I came back from New Zealand. Uh you know in New Zealand people say you only get mm-hmm. right? <laughs> when when you ask a Thai person, what do you do in New Zealand? Oh you pick, go be a shepherd. Yeah. Because there are more sheep than uh than people. Yeah. So you didn't need uh you didn't need an iPhone or high tech stuff. Yeah. Okay, I had my YouTube channel but I was not addicted to social network yeah. because New Zealand was so unmaterialistic mm-hmm. that I only could survive with uh, Nokia. Yeah. While so many people here are already using like iPhone iPhones. three, mm-hmm. I did not know what Instagram was. Mm-hmm. I only knew Facebook and YouTube because I used it for for my business. Mm-hmm. But when it came back, there was a huge thing going on with Instagram. Yeah. And I got my first iPhone as a second hand iPhone. My mom said, "Hey." I'm not using this anymore. You should have it. I say, okay, thanks. So Instagram, what can it do? Oh, nice. It can, you can post photos.
2: Mm-hmm. What
0: kind of photos do you want to post? Well, let's say I came back from New Zealand. I was kind of fat. Mm-hmm. I was kind of out of shape because I worked so much. Let's transform myself. So I want to post photos of me yeah. transforming myself, not for the sake of people watching it, For the sake of myself, because I love writing diaries.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it's like your own diary. Yeah,
0: and it started like it started that way. Yeah, it was my own diary. If you uh, follow me on Instagram, even nowadays, you can look back. There, there, you can still find photos from.
1: It's like your transformation journey. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Even though I was not so out of shape then, but I would say I was not lean or you know. So my diary would consist of what I do daily. Okay, today I I trained this. You know, I this is what I did. What I eat each mm-hmm. day. I had 600 grams of rice. Blah, blah blah. You know. Yeah. I would be very specific and detailed, without, uh, without the fear of sharing mm-hmm. because I, because I did not expect people to come and read it because it would be so long. Yeah. Right. Turns out that some people came and read my articles mm-hmm. and they shared with their friends. Hey, come and read this guy's journey. It's so interesting. He he doesn't hold on to any knowledge. He yeah. just writes it out. People came to argue with me sometimes and I would type to them nicely, hey, here's a scientific e- evidence because I read it 10 years ago. Yeah, This ketogenic diet that's a fat now, I did that when I was 19. I already did it a long time ago. So mm-hmm. I realized, hey, that's an advantage of me having been in this industry for so long and uh, I took it for granted mm-hmm. all the knowledge that I read when I was a kid I could use it so I thought about uh, making a Facebook page a YouTube channel and basically just talk about what I did back then suddenly I got a job writing for a TV show and I got offered a job hosting a few shows mm-hmm. and um uh, Shooting for photo shoots, yeah, it all came so fast, yeah, that I did not know what to do.
2: Mm -hmm. So
0: I stopped doing the painting, and I thought, hey, here's a chance of being, basically being someone in Thailand. Yeah. So I stopped painting, and I started a business called Fit Junctions.
1: Ah, so that's when you said, okay, I'm gonna do this for a living. I'm gonna get serious about this, and and go full out. Yep. What would you say is the big difference between your business, Fit Junctions, and any other big chain fitness?
0: Yeah. We distinguish ourselves as being a fitness tutor. Even today on our shirts, we don't say personal trainer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We say educators. Mm-hmm. We educate people on how to eat right, how to exercise right, and we try to customize everything that suits you. And it has to be scientifically correct. So we base our uh, standard and we base our curriculum on ACSM and all the like uh international standards mm-hmm. so there's no pseudoscience or there's no bro science there's no let's say it worked on me it should work on you no it's all scientifically well thought out so that's what we do at Fish Junction Studio nowadays we have three branches at Udomsuk Ratchada uh, and Phayathai mm-hmm. we focus more on one on one training yeah or two on one but very focused very Goal-specific training.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, do you still tutor?
0: Uh, I do that online now as a brand ambassador for my own company. Mm-hmm. So I teach online every week. If you search Fit Junctions on fe- uh, YouTube or Facebook, I'll be there on Saturday. So that's what I do as my main job, my main responsibility at in, in Fit Junctions. Yeah. And also, I try to uh, include hire people who are more qualified than me so we have a team of medical doctors mm-hmm. we have a team of uh, physical physiotherapists we have a team of sports scientists scientists wow. who are more qualified than i am because i'm only qualified in international relations mm-hmm. it's all in the passion but you know i'm not qualified I'm just a translator, mm-hmm. translating scientific terms into the words that you understand, but you got going to give them the credit. you got to give people who do the research, yeah. people who went through all the years to study in their field. And that's what we do.
1: Our next section is called This or That. The first one, eating nothing but boiled eggs for a month. Or eating nothing but fried chicken for a month?
0: <laughs> this is very easy. <laughs> do you, do you want to guess?
1: I think you would choose the egg. No way. What?
0: This is actually another, another uh, misconceptions about really? people. Who, yeah, uh, Fit Junctions teaches you how to eat fried chicken every day and not get fat.
1: Why? How?
0: Well, you'll find out if you go follow fitjunctions.com. And <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, um, I actually have an article about fried chicken written two or three years ago. Because I, I
1: love fried chicken. Yeah,
0: so you need to you need to go read it. It's on Fit Junction's web- website. Okay. I uh, write about... Bonchon, KFC. Yeah,
1: oh my I love yeah. KFC. They need to give me a sponsorship because I swear by KFC's. Yeah. So
0: basically I would choose fried chicken over boiled egg any day because the heart of a sustainable diet is not force feeding yourself something that's healthy. It's actually the finding the right balance between quote unhealthy food and healthy food. So for people who are listening and you love KFC. This show is not brought to you by KFC, <laughs> but we're welcome to have you as our, as our sponsor. Yeah. And anyways, you can eat fried chicken. You just need to know at least uh, how many pieces can you eat per one day. Mm-hmm. And I don't encourage you to eat that every day for a month, that's yeah. for sure. But if I were to choose between breaking my, you know, having a mental breakdown from eating boiled egg for one, one month yeah. and risking heart attack, which is probably not going to happen,
2: Yeah.
0: from eating KFC for a month. I would choose the latter because yeah. it tastes good it's you can actually name this podcast How to Eat Fried Chicken and Get Fit just to get more attention <laughs> I because know. this is more like a reward for people who have listened so far yeah. um, I'm very very thankful for you guys who have listened until now because you know, we haven't even touched the surface of uh, what I do in the fitness industry
1: Okay. next, doing 10,000 sit-ups right now or doing 10,000 push-ups right now
0: I would choose push-up because uh, actually this is a fact. Sit-ups are not very good for you. Uh, the muscles involved in doing the sit-ups are actually here in the hip. It's called the hip flexors. Mm-hmm. And it connects with your lumbar spine. And when it overactives, it creates back pain. So when you do the sit-up the wrong way, it, it, you know, it is going to create back pain for you. And that's one of the reasons why people give up. Mm. they chose the wrong exercise for their abs mm-hmm. so they go and do sit up because it's a very popular exercise
1: mm-hmm. um, next have all your muscles taken away or have all your English speaking skills taken away or anything related to English any English skills taken away
0: um, I would choose muscles mm-hmm Because nowadays, I I don't earn money from having muscles. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I can podcast. Ah! Right. So (laughs) nobody knows how I look. Uh, I think, yeah. Going back to the question, I think uh, superficial stuff definitely are less important Mm -hmm. than uh, things that are more, you know, intellectual. Intellectual. Yeah.
1: Good answer. All right. Our last section is called What If? And this is where we have a jar filled with questions. And these are hypothetical questions. And we're going to do it Miss Universe style. Here, Here. Let's see what question you got. Would you want to know a life-changing secret about yourself or your loved ones? Like you were actually a robot, not human. Or your spouse used to be an assassin. So hmm. would you want to know those facts?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. If I were allowed to be off topic for 30 seconds, okay. I actually don't believe I'm human. Yeah? Yeah, I believe I'm clockwork. I'm half cyborg <laughs> because the way I I work is very... uh, Yeah, I try to be as robotic as possible, so mm-hmm. definitely I would want to know if that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, but any, anyways, if there is a life-changing event or fact or truth about you or your loved one, yeah, I think eventually one day it will present itself, mm-hmm. one way or another. I mean, like say, if my wife used to be an assassin, yeah, I don't think that's gonna change anything because you know it's what she used to be. Yeah, yeah, we kind of cool though. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: just as long as she doesn't kill you, you're good.
0: Even if she did, we kind of cool too. Yeah.
1: All right, thank you so much for being thank here you. and joining us today and we our listeners and myself included have probably learned a lot about, you know, the fitness trend or um how to be good to your body or, you know, misconceptions yeah. and things like that and if we want to find out more, we could just go to your website cuz I'm going to go read about that fried chicken yes. article.
0: Thank you guys for listening and thank you for inviting me here. Been honored.
1: รู้ว่าเพื่อนคน you know, like 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 like
0: Binge listen to all of our shows and episodes at thestandard.co/podcast The Standard Podcast เปิดหูเปิดตา